This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between 3 and 7 grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar. Join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Nishin, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, Devin Verified Jackson. And we're joined by a very special guest today. He's one of our good buddies, the embodiment of the Midwest himself, all seven foot thirteen of him, Tyler Fornis. Tyler, how you doing today, man? Well, it really stinks having to duck through every doorway, but at least <laughs> girls like me for my height, so I'll take it. How you guys doing? I'm doing up, great. I knew that having you on would lead to a fantastic intro. Um, seriously, uh, being down in Mobile, there were uh, three people that made me feel small. One was Javon Kinlaw, one was Colin Johnson, and the other one was Tyler Fornis. So, always a good time when three of us can talk. Absolutely. I mean, I think we could start a basketball team, to be honest. We got the height here, so we might, we might as well start a basketball team. We might just play three tight end, go play for the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely got the size. We, we got the size. I'm the small one in this conversation, so, I mean, a, a, a territory I'm not exactly always the most familiar with, being, you know, about 6'2 and 230. <laughs> I mean, you're bigger than Devontae Smith, so that counts for something. I mean, that's not saying much. It really isn't. <laughs> so the reason we have Tyler on here is simple. Tyler is a man that is known for the educated hot take. So why not, you know, we got a little bit of a, of a lull between Super Bowl and uh, NFL Combine, and we're not entirely sure how the Combine is going to work this year. So why not have just uh, just a hot take episode? Just have some fun. You know, it's funny. You won't remember this, but you had me on last year for a hot takes episode. Did we actually? <laughs> I swore we had you on to fix the Vikings. I think we did a little bit of both. Ah, uh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. It does not surprise me, though. You know what? We, you are the king of hot takes, so... I am a man of conviction, and when I say something, I don't say it to be willy-nilly. I say it because I believe it, and I will back up my points. But if presented with new information, I am willing to evolve and adapt my opinion. You know what? That, that that's, that's the right way to go about this. So, Tyler, I think it's only fair that as the guest, you get to present your first hot take. All right. I'm going to save my best one for last, so I'm going to go with this. Amon St. Brown stinks. You don't like Amon Ross St. Brown, eh? I don't like Amon Ross St. Brown. When I was watching his film, I just kept being underwhelmed. I didn't think he was athletically superior than anybody he was going up against. I thought his ball skills were good, but I didn't feel like that they translated uh, as much as some other people have communicated that they believe. I didn't think he was phenomenal in the open field. Obviously, when you're running the air raid, your route tree is a little weird, that he doesn't have that right now, and that really uh, pushed him down a little bit for me. Do I think he can develop that? Absolutely. Do I think that he's probably better than I'm giving him credit for? Yeah, but I don't like him, and I wouldn't touch him before end of round four or round five. Wow. All right, Devin, I'm going to let you uh, uh, respond to that one first. Uh, I mean, By the way, we're doing, ca- we doing cash or trash on these? I mean, SpongeBob I or Squidward. Agree. I would agree. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give it cash. Uh, I, I'm not really a big fan of Amon Ross St. Brown either. I think there are or receivers that can do what he does at a more efficient and faster rate. And like Forna said, I don't see anything special about him. So I think, you know, kind of the combination of playing with Keaton Slowis, who's probably a first round pick next year and, you know, some of the weapons he has around him. I don't really see it with Amamra. Uh, he could be a better pro for sure, but I, I don't see him. He probably, he's probably not in my top 10 receivers. Probably may not even scratch the top 15. Uh, I mean, I can add on to that take. I'd probably take Amir Smith-Marset over Amamra St. Brown. So. All right. So I'm actually the biggest fan of St. Brown on, on this podcast, I guess. I have him at wide receiver eight. 
And I know that's, you know, that sounds high, especially considering what you guys were just saying. I do, to an extent, agree. I have seen him as, like, people's, like, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and I can't get by. Oh, yeah. You, if only this was video, you should see the look that Ford has just gave us. Um, but, yeah, I can't get that high. He does have, like, really good speed. I think that, again, his route running, being in that system, hasn't developed. You get him in the right system, and he could develop into something. Right now, he's he's as raw as the day is long, uh, green as grass, green as turtle shit, whatever the uh, the uh, simile you want to use is. I understand all that. I think in the it, it's all you know uh, landing spot for him, and he needs a a good receiver coach to kind of teach him a lot of the basics. Um, he's the best of the St. Brown brothers, but that's not exactly saying much. Um, and again. I, I mentioned his speed. He he was faster than every every defensive back he went up against, but he's also going up against kind of unrefined, slower Pac-12 corners. And yes, Pac-12 corners tend to be slower than really the other Power Five conferences. So I do see your point. I just have him ranked higher than, than you guys are going to because I again potential does factor into my rankings more than it does with you guys. It's okay. So, it's just that Canadian exchange rate. We'll let it slide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, what I love about Fortis is that I'm actually further south than you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, you're, you're at least polite in how mean you are, eh? We're South Canada. I'm used to it. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, Barnes we're... threatened to annex Minnesota to Canada the other day because. <laughs> That of that Kurt Cousins discussion where I there was a guy who I think is he's he's a good dude, but he's like, I don't know if I would trade two first round picks and Teddy Bridgewater for Kurt Cousins, meaning he wouldn't accept it if the uh, he, he was giving up Cousins. I'm like, come on, come on. You'd have so, to give up picks to get rid of Cousins because of his like 40 million dollars a year. Uh, well, it's is not he, as much it, uh, for the team taking him on. It's 21 and 35. Ah, uh, okay. That's very reasonable, and you can easily restructure that. Yeah. And make it, uh, balance it out. Like, for a quarterback of his skill set, somewhere between QB8 and QB15, depending on the day and depending on how you value these guys, that's not irrational or unreasonable. All right, I, I I got one for both of you guys. I've I've seen this guy's name floated around as like a top fifty player, and I just cannot do it. I like one of his teammates at the same position better than him. Get all the way out of my face with this two two Atwell hype, and I'll say why. One, he's way too damn small. He's about one hundred and fifty pounds, which is about twenty twenty five pounds less than Devonte Smith. Which, if we're knocking Devontae Smith for being small, why am I not seeing anyone doing this with, with Tutu Atwell? I don't think he's anywhere near close enough to be refined as a route runner. Um, he's running a system where he's basically just kind of run around and eventually will find you and get you, you know, you know, in an open space and get you the ball. I don't think he's got the strongest hands. I don't think he's all that great with the ball in his hands after the catch. I actually slightly prefer his teammate Des Fitzpatrick at the wide receiver position. But if you're looking for that role, that kind of offensive weapon, you know, similar size, sim- you know, similar build even, then again, obviously you're going to put Jalen Waldo, Devontae Smith ahead of him, Kadarius Tony, you know, in that same ilk, Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore, Watt Fillier, um, Amir Smith-Marset, Jalen Darden. These are all guys that fill that same you know, specification that I would rather have before I went anywhere near Tutu Atwell. I'm not touching Tutu Atwell the top 150. Here's the difference, Mike, between Tutu Atwell and Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith is a wide receiver one type player in yes. how he plays the game. Tutu Atwell is a slot gadget guy. Yeah. I'm okay with my slot gadget guy being Dexter McCluster, being just this small guy who's a little shifty and is decent in the open field. That doesn't bother me so much. It bothers me with Devonta Smith when he's 170, looks like a string bean, and I worry about his ability to handle physicality from corners like it's a little different i get it but i'm not so worried about his size versus somebody who's playing on the outside consistently yeah i was gonna say it's not being talked about yeah i was gonna say kind of the same thing i don't know about i think not him being not not being a top 150 is a bit of a stretch only because the nfl value i I cannot do it well i i get that but speed man 
speed is the name of the game. He's that fast compared to some of the other guys. I think Jalen Darden might be faster than him. It's a possibility, but the NFL still values speed, man. So I, I still think he's probably a top 150 player. And, you know, like Forrest was saying, you, you're going to lo- use him as like a slot gadget guy, but he does provide value to some teams. So I think a team is at least going to have him in the top 125. He reminds me of Dree Archer, and that failed spectacularly. <laughs> I think he's a little bit better. Played a little bit better competition, too, to be fair. All right, Devin, what's your first hot take? Jalen Mayfield will be the third tackle taken off the board. Ooh, okay. Preface this. Is Rashawn Slater one of those tackles? Before him? Yes. No. Okay. Are you classifying Slater as a tackle, but he will go before Mayfield? He is a tackle, but he won't go before Mayfield. Ooh. Okay, let's hear it. So, for me, I know how much the NFL values potential. And age and all that. Jalen Mayfield will be is 20 years old and won't be 21 till what later in the year. So that's a, a plus for number one. Number two, he has a ton of potential that's been un, untapped. And obviously he missed, he only played two games a season, but the combination of his size, his athleticism and just the ability to play both tackles positions. I think he can play both left and right tackle at the next level. And if it doesn't work out for him at tackle the first couple of years, he has that versatility and athleticism to move the guard. And he's the prototypical size for a tackle. I know Rashawn Slater has been talked about a lot and a lot of people really like him, but I think he's probably the fourth or fifth t- taken tackle off the board. I got Darisaw and Panay Sewell going one and two, but I got Mayfield going three. I get what you're saying. The potential obviously is there. The athletic ability is extremely high. I just don't think that he's going to go above Darista and Cosme who offer very similar things. And I would argue that they're both more refined at the position. So because of that, I'm out on this take, but I also would not be surprised if you're 100% right. I think the co- lack of a combine is really going to hurt a guy like Mayfield where those athletic testing numbers can really pop off the screen. Like a team like Minnesota incredibly values that those testing numbers. Like they have a broad jump measurable that they these guys need to hit in order for the Vikings to take him, which is why they have Brian O'Neill and Ezra Cleveland. I don't I think that's really going to hurt him and I think he's he, to me, he feels like he's just going to end up a Pittsburgh Steeler and everybody's just going to feel dumb in 10 years when he's still there. Yeah, I, I as soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, fits that mold, you know, Villanueva, uh, a core four. Yeah, um, I don't hate it, Devin, because, um, again, this is a incredibly deep tackle class. If this was any other year we'd probably be talking about Mayfield as like one of the top two or three tackles in the class kind of reminds me of a couple years ago with a player like Jawan Taylor where played right tackle you know all through you know through college I'm not doing a one-to-one comp but that right tackle you know above at you know above average athlete or, or in Mayfield's case a really good athlete with pretty much sky high potential but Taylor was in a honestly weaker tackle class with and, and guys went ahead of him that definitely should not have I just, looking at this year's class, if you define Slater as a tackle, I think he's going to go ahead of him. I think Cosme's going to go ahead of him. Darasaw, Sewell. The X factors in terms of guys that could go ahead of him would be players like Eichenberg, Spencer Brown, Tevin Jenkins, maybe. I just think that there's too many potential tackles to go ahead of him that for me to buy in entirely. Tyler, what's your next one? If the if a cover three team takes Ifiatu Melfonwu, he's cornerback one in this class. Yes. Um, just, it's, yes. <laughs> it just makes way too much sense. Uh, he has every bit the athleticism that you want in a corner of that scheme. He has all the size in the world. And if you get somebody like Robert Sala who, can, who takes him in, teaches him a little bit of technique, I think we're talking he could be better than Richard Sherman. Like He has it, man. Yeah, so I watched good. I watched his tape against Liberty. 
Liberty beat Syracuse in the Carrier Dome by 17, and they didn't target Melifonwu once. Like, that's a sign of respect right there. He's He's got everything you could want, except he's not as refined, and you can teach that at the next level. You put him in a system where he can use his length, my goodness, I would not be shocked if he was the best corner in this class. I love it. I love it. Melifonwu is one of my guys. Um, I still see people listing him at a, as a safety, which makes zero sense to me. I know his brother played safety. They're very different players. Man, the the Liberty game is fantastic because they just could not. They, they weren't even going to attempt going his way. And he erased both Diami uh, Brown and Cornell Powell. And those are two really good wide receivers in this class. And he erased them. He's not talked about enough. Well, that, I kind of understand it because Sertan is really good. I think it's stupid how good Farley is considering he's played the position for two years. Yeah. Like, I think he, he has potential to be, like, the best corner in football. Like, we're talking Revis Island kind of potential if somebody oh, harnesses yeah. him. And J.C. Horn, just, he's a dog. Like he just has that same attitude his daddy has, and oh, yeah. I loved Joe Horn the player. And Devin is a Saints fan, probably. I hope you remember Joe Horn. Okay, yes, you do. Thank you. Yes, God. of course. We're not well, that young. Well, I'm also really old in comparison, so <laughs> I still remember the days of Billy Joe Tolliver and Bobby Joe Herbert. So. Hey, you are the same age as my brother. You are not old. <laughs> All right, fair enough. For, but yeah, I I I love the take, man. You know, Melifamu is is incredible, you know, and I'm really glad he's gotten a lot of buzz really since January started. And a lot of people started discovering him around then. And, you know, like you said, he goes to someone like the Jets. I mean, they are going to be set for a while for that cornerback position because they still got Bryce Hall uh, in in the wings as well, kind of still getting healthy from his injury. I mean, you pair those guys, I mean, you could really do some things for the, for that Jets defense, for sure. So, I love the take. I I have no problems with that take at all. All right, I'm trying to see where I, I have one that's a bit of a, of a shocker. All right, this one may not be a quote-unquote hot take, but it's a spicy one. Landon Dickerson's injury uh, history scares me out of taking him in the top two rounds. That's not a hot take. That's I've seen him like listed in like people's first rounds or early seconds, man. Oh, with talent alone, yeah, but talent, I... yeah, but he's had three straight, and and that has to add up at some point. I don't think I've seen anyone actually do that. I think once teams will get the medicals on these guys, that talk will slow down. But yeah. yeah. It's three. It's three straight uh, season-ending injuries across two different programs. Mm-hmm. That, oof, yeah, I. That's a big knock on him. Again, if if we're talking straight talent, he's, you know, off interior offensive lineman one, two, or three in in that range. You factor in the injuries at all, and he he's in for a slide. And I don't know if people are ready to kind of accept that yet. Yeah, I mean, the thing with me, I love Dickerson in the summer. I watched him over the summer. I knew he was going to be special. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just cannot. If his medicals don't look good, you just cannot take him in the top two rounds. It's just not. Well, the thing, But the thing what's going to happen is, you know, if he does end up playing, being healthy and whatnot, he's probably going to be the best inside and oh, yeah. tier offensive lineman from this class. I know yeah. a lot of people like love Trey Smith. Uh, I know a lot of people like Josh Myers and some of those other dudes. But listen, Dickerson is a dog. Is there a chance Deontay Brown could get drafted ahead of Landon Dickerson? Oh, hell no. It shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Deontay Brown is probably late day two, early day three at best. Because if he tests, it's not going to go well. I'm this sorry. testing is going to be poor. Golem is a rock and ground type, and they're just there's just too many weaknesses. I no too early. Yeah, so if if he gets taken before Dickerson, teams are making a huge mistake. He is a project that he has to cut down weight. He he just has to. We all saw that clip from the Senior Bowl. 
It, well, it, it it's not a good look. Well, I just look. It we knew his limitations going in. It just got highlighted at the Senior Bowl. It's unfortunate, but you gotta you gotta take him if you're gonna be a, a power uh, run blocking scheme. You you gotta again going straight ahead because laterally he's not there. So, right. Devin, you got another one? I just had one in my head. Oh man, I just lost it. Um, there's just so many good players in this class. It's kind of hard to be like, you know, this person is gonna get taken ahead of somebody else. Uh, give me a second here to think. You, one of you guys can go ahead of me. I, I, Fornis, you I got just another one? In my head. Yeah. Go for it. I, I don't know if it's, if it's super spicy anymore, but I jumped on the train a week before everyone else, and I'm glad I did. Dwayne Eskridge will be a uh, top 40 player. Okay, Devin, how many guests have we had on in, the, in this draft cycle already? I think it's, we're, we're at five or six. Every single person has has mentioned Dwayne Eskridge, so I'm glad no you kidding. kept the streak going. No kidding. <laughs> uh, we talked to Eric at home in December. I name-dropped Dwayne Eskridge. His face lit up. <laughs> I'm, I'm not lying either. Like, he yeah. was like, wow. Look, yeah, I, know, I know we shit on a lot of the – the metrics and stuff that fantasy guys use, the dominator, breakout age, there is some merit to them. And I think as film guys that we need to understand that there, there is merits to how these metrics are used, and you have to use them to correlate with what you're seeing with your eyes. Eskridge is not going to hit that breakout. He's not going to hit that dominator. But when you watch the film, it's filthy. He'll, he'll take he'll be able to snap a hitch route off like Tyreek Hill and just put his foot in the ground and stop. And then he'll be able to flip his hips, turn it around and take it to the house. He can moss guys at five foot nine. Former corner. Yeah. He was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list with a 350 pound bench and a 505 pound squat. Look, he has benefits being five, nine. When you have shorter limbs, it makes it a lot easier to do those uh, exercises a lot easier yes but when i watch him it's i i fell in love with him and he is a guy i will pound 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 the table for and even though i have him ranked higher or lower than this guy this is where it gets really spicy i would take eskridge over jamar chase Woo! i knew that was coming i knew it was coming i've been waiting for it I don't hate Jamar Chase. I worry about his ability to really separate at the next level. And I worry about his lack of a dominant athletic trait hindering him. I saw Jordan Reed today compared him to A.J. Brown. I and that, just and break that one up. It makes a lot of sense. And A.J. Brown's been very successful. That I mean, Laquan Treadwell wasn't. Mm-hmm. I worry about Jamar Chase translating oh, to the next on. level. And I would be, I would feel better taking a chance high on Dwayne Eskridge than I would Jamar Chase. If I was in the draft room, I also will say I will not be shocked if Chase is great and Eskridge stinks and I eat all my words. <laughs> and that's what we appreciate. All right, Devin, I got one. Okay. All right. I don't know if Devin's going to remember this guy, but I know Fornis probably does. Do you remember Jason Spriggs, the Indiana tackle back in 2016? Yep. Do you remember how some people hyped him up? that he was going to be this this next big thing, and he's never started a game. Well, there's a player that opted out of this season that reminds me a lot of Jason Spriggs, and if anyone touches him in the top 75, their front office should be fired. Walker Little. It was a matter of time before that name was going to get dropped. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, If you guys are unfamiliar with my takes on Walker Little, uh, I actually have a, a Twitter Moments thread where I go through just the Notre Dame game to show why he's not draftable. Um, There's no technique whatsoever. He's a borderline passable um, athlete. He has very little anchor. Uh, He's horrible pulling out uh, on toss plays in several plays where he led the um, defender to the tackle. Um, 
Yeah, and his pass sets in those games were some of the worst tape I've ever watched of any offensive lineman, and I've been doing this since 2014. So if anyone touches Walker Little in the top 75, they should get the Scott McLuhan, uh, whoever was in charge before, Brandon Bean treatment, and just get annexed like a week after the draft. I know you hate him. I understand why you hate him. And it makes sense why you hate him. But considering he was injured, he has the. It's also been two years since he played. Yep. He has a prototypical size you want. If you project that what you saw his freshman year could be worth the back end of the third round pick or even a mid third round pick, I get it. I don't think you should be fired. I think you should be fired if you take him top 50. But if you want to take him round three, and you think you can project that out, and you have a track record of success with the offensive line, I'm fine with it. See, here, here's my thing. You mentioned his freshman year. So he had a decent freshman year, and then it was his sophomore year that, that games like the, the Notre Dame one were played. Then he got hurt his junior year, and then he sat this year out. So we're talking about his freshman and part of his sophomore year, really. You're talking two and a half years ago by the time draft day comes. He played, I believe, 15 snaps his junior year before tearing his ACL and then opt out. It's the same kind of problem I have with, with Paulson Adebo in that they both should have played this year because they desperately needed good tape or bounce back tape from the last year they put on, on film. I can't get behind either of them before anywhere ne- like the, the mid to late rounds. Fair enough. The only thing is, I don't see Walker Little lasting past the end of the third round. Oh. I think he gets taken before the end of the third round because there are tools there that a team can work with. And, you know, obviously he's going to have to answer some questions, you know, medicals, all that. But I think because of that potential, teams are still going to at least try. I think his ceiling is somewhere in that, like, Vitae range where, at his best, before the Lions decided to pay him $10 million a year for three years and, well, look where that got them, you're looking at a swing tackle. I think, at best, he's like a, a swing tackle off the bench where sure. he, spot, he spots if, the, if there's an injury going into contract number two. I just don't see the upside with him either. That's fair. All right, Devin, have you got yours now? Yeah. Uh, I think Jabril Cox slips in the back end of round one. Like, he he sneaks in? Yes. Okay. I think so. Uh, I've been watching a lot of him lately. His coverage, man. Uh, he's probably one of the best covering linebackers in this class. And I know that, you know, a lot of people are going to have Michael Parsons, Avon Collins in the mix, Nick Bolton. But I think because of that potential and that teams really need a linebacker to cover in space, we saw what Tampa was able to do uh, against the Chiefs. And I think their teams are want to start coveting, coveting that. So I would not be surprised if Jabril Cox uh, slipped into the back end of round one, probably in the 20s, 30s. And you know, gets picked by an NFL team. You know, I, I think a lot of people will expect Micah Parsons to go early in the draft and we'll see with his situation. But, you know, with like players like Zayvon Collins and Nick Bolton and some of those guys, they're really good, but are they round one good? You know, I started to question that a little bit. So I would say I would not be surprised that Jabril Cox slipped in the back in the round one. I get where you're coming from with the with the coverage skills. I'm not the biggest Jabril Cox fan. I've seen, you know, you know, he had a bit of an up and down 2020, and it was his first real year of uh, of true competition coming from North North Dakota State. I'm a little lower on him. I do have him in, in day two. I think it's possible he slips into, into round one or sneaks into round one. So I've, uh, that's why I don't hate the take. I personally would. 32 to the Bucks. Resign Levante David. Just fuck around. Why not? 
Or if you can't afford to get Levante David, there's <laughs> there's your replacement. Look, uh, run a three three five. Vita Vey in the middle, and then you've got uh, your edge rushers with Barrett and JPP. And you then still got Dom Kinsu too. Uh, well, he, I don't think Sue will resign. Nah, yeah. he's he's gonna want a big big payday. Yeah, I don't blame him. He got his ring. He's gonna try and make as much money as he can. I respect it. But I respect that. <laughs> you have your your three defensive linemen. You have White, David, and Cox. One of them's coming. Who's coming? I don't know. They can all cover. What are you gonna do? It just gives you all kind of flexibility and creativity. You could run some double A gap blitz looks with with those guys. You could shoot them all back in an old school Tampa cover two. You could just have fun, and it's Todd Bowles. I mean, hell, how what? much fun would Todd Bowles have with that defense? All so of it, fun. all of the fun. I mean, what if the Chiefs were like, why don't we, why don't we take him? Need to upgrade the linebacker position. They're gonna take one of Tony or Rondale Moore. We all know that. Disgusting. I know. <laughs> all right, Tyler, you got another one. Jamar Chase is wide receiver five and no higher. Okay, so we know this one because, again, we talk to you on the daily. But for for our listeners, who's ahead of him? Jalen Waddell, for me, is unquestionably wide receiver one. He is he's a Tyreek Hill clone. They yeah. do they do all the same thing. It's Either. it's weird because one of the I I comped Henry Ruggs to Tyreek Hill last year, and I think Waddle might be a better comp. I don't think Henry Ruggs was Tyree Kill. They just had the same speed, but they play so different. Jalen Waddle looks like he plays the same game. The way he runs his routes, the way he's in the plays in the open field, it just his straight line speed, it, it all just makes too much sense. My wide receiver two is Rashad Bateman. Um, I have him half a point in my wide receiver three, which is Devonta Smith. I think if Bateman had any kind of acceleration or burst off the line, then I might have him as my wide receiver run. But he just doesn't. He's not a, a quick twitch explosive guy, but he is an excellent route runner. Very smooth, in and out of his breaks. Fantastic hands. Fantastic hands, and he's great at the catch point. He, he's able to create natural separation with his uh, lesser athletic profile than other guys, which is why I love him so much. Uh, three is Devonta Smith. He still grades out really highly for me, even though I worry a lot about his translation to the next level with being able to handle physical defenders. If he plays in a wide open scheme that that allows him to create in space, I think he'll be just fine. That's what he was asked to do at Alabama, and they were able to create easily for him. And then given opportunities, he was able to create for himself, but he didn't have to deal with a lot of press man. And I really worry if, let's say, Miami drafts him. Game one, he's lined up against Stephon Gilmore. I'm worried Gilmore's going to eat his lunch and take him out for breakfast. Like, it's, it could be really bad. And that scares me a little bit. Wide receiver four is Kadarius Toney. Incredible quick twitch athlete. He has developed a lot as a route runner. Uh, very surprisingly physical as well. Um, he can run through arm tackles like nobody's business. Uh, you can use him as a outside, inside, or like a scat back. Um, he did take a lot of handoffs at the University of Florida and was really good at being able to read holes and blocking. So he, I, I see him as very good in the open field. And then Jamar Chase. We are, I've already talked about Chase. So there's that. We have the same top five wide receivers. It's just a different order. Um, I said at the very beginning of the season, all the way back, even into July and August, that if you got Kadarius Tony in an offense where Florida decided to commit to giving him the ball, then he was going to have big success, and sure enough, he did, which was great to see. I love being right. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the five players. I just have them in a different order. Um, obviously, I do have Jamar Chase, wide receiver one, but it is very close with him, Waddle, and Smith. Bateman is wide receiver four, and then Kadarius Tony is wide receiver five. So I, I yeah. don't hate it. I got four of the five in my top five. Um, I got Waddle one, Chase two, Smith three, Bateman four, Rondell Moore five. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't hate the take at all. I definitely understand the drawbacks of Chase's game, and that, like some of those other guys on the list, he doesn't have 
that elite trait or something that really separates him from the rest of the pack. So I don't hate, honestly, to me, as long as he's in the top five, I think he's undisputedly a top five receiver in this class. But in terms of what people view, I think it just depends on what do you view in a receiver? What do you like in a receiver? And if you're someone that doesn't create natural separation or, or doesn't, you know, do, do something special in the open field, I, I get why people don't have him ranked as high. But, you know, seeing Jordan Reed comp him to A.J. Brown, I see a lot of similarities in their game. And, you know, like Fornan said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if Chase ends up being one of the better receivers, not if not the best receiver from this class. You know, it's just about can he consistently create that separation or does he have to be that type of guy that catches a lot of jump balls and 50-50 balls or, or what what's going to be kind of his role and then landing spot two, I think, will be important in terms of using his versatility to play on the inside and outside and not just sticking him out there on the island, say, just run me, go routes, get open. You know, you have to really scheme around his strengths. So I definitely uh, get him being wide receiver if I don't hate the take. Uh, while I don't agree, I can understand it. All right. I got two that I'm jostling with, and I'm not sure which one I want to drop first. All right. I think I know. So, Fornis, this next one is about an offensive lineman that you and I both love. We both thought he had a fantastic senior bowl, but I'm going to pair him with another offensive lineman that, again, had a great senior bowl. East Carolina's Deontay Smith and Mid-Tennessee State's uh, Robert Jones are both top, fuck it, top 100 locks. Day two locks. Mm. Locks. I'll tell you why. We were worried coming into the season about Deontay Smith's size. You know, they had him listed at, I believe, six foot three at ECU. I believe last year he was playing at about 285 will play an offensive tackle, which he was listed at 274. Well, there you go. 274. So, uh, you know, barely bigger than most edge rushers. So worried about his size, worried about his frame. Bulked up going into the, into the senior bowl. I believe he came in on around like 295, 300, something like that. You're better with the measurements than I am. He was the 6'5 and 5'8, 294. You'd like to see him have about like 5 to 10 more pounds on him, but that's fine. And, and Fortis, the one thing that, they, that you, me, and Deontay Smith all have in, in common gigantically long arms. Like he can tie his shoes without bending over. Uh, I believe his wingspan, if you measure it out, is like 6'10", 6'11". If he gets his hands on you, it is over. Uh, again, very high ceiling. So, again, something that you can work with. And Robert Jones is just, whether he's playing right guard, right tackle, line him up on the right side of the offensive line, and he's just an ass whipper. And I think that he's a plug-and-play day one. You have, in the right system, no problems. Anything that runs power, put uh, Rob Jones on the right side. Problem solved. I'm a little lower on Jones than you, but I'm with you on Deontay Smith. I I think he's a top 100 player. I think he should go in round two or three, especially with a team that's going to value athleticism because he's going to bring that to the table. He's got measurables, uh, intangible. He's got he, he he slept on I think because of the school he went to and East Carolina was just not good, so he slid under a lot of radars. I I love the Deontay Smith take. I watched him up close and personal at the Senior Bowl, uh, covering the American team offensive lineman. He was someone every day that you know pretty much boosted their stock. You know he he looked phenomenal, shut down a ton of guys. So I don't have a problem with Deontay Smith. Now Robert Jones, on the other hand, I don't think I can get with the top 100 talk. Maybe top 150, uh, and pushing that in fact. But I I don't really see it with Jones so to speak, as as high as you see with him. Uh, but the Deontay Smith one, I, I really have no problem with that at all. Fantastic player. Devin, you got one more? I think we each probably got one more, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I'll say this. I'll take Tylen Wallace round three over Terrence Marshall in round two. Okay. I don't know how high a take that is, but no, that's no. just how I feel. Well, I can tell you how hot of a take it is, uh, Devin. Uh, Marshall is wide receiver six for me, and Wallace is wide receiver ten. So, again, I think that 
really we're going to see a ridiculous number of wide receivers go. The fact that you have Amon Ross St. Brown over Tylen Wallace makes me sick, Mike. <laughs> I'll buy you a Timmy's and make up for it, okay? <laughs> uh, they got rid of all the Timmy's around here. Well, I guess you're just going to have to come over to, to Winnipeg, eh? That's yeah, I can't. I can't get with um Amon Ross St. Brown over Tyler. I need to go back and, and yeah. properly just do like a, a a good week on just some of the wide receivers I've already watched. The problem is I have like thirteen wide receivers that I still need to watch that are being talked about. That I mean, I, I'm gonna hit like fifty fifty five receivers this year, so I will have to go back and watch some of the guys that I've already kind of done my three or four games on and, and properly stack them again. So that could very well change. You had to throw Tyler Wallace in there somehow because uh, me and Forrest watched him together and he just blew us away with some of the catches he was making, uh, some of the footwork things. Obviously, he doesn't provide a ton of upside with rack ability, but, I mean, dude is just a baller, clutch, anything, and anywhere in the vicinity of him, he's going up and catching the ball. So, uh, with Terrace Marshall, man, uh, I like him, but I just don't know if I value him in round two. I think because he's not going to test overly well, uh, I think he's going to test okay. I think that he may get passed up a a little bit in round two and and could possibly go late round two. So, uh, that's why I value Tylen Wallace in round three. I think he, Gives you uh, a little bit more versatility in terms of playing inside and outside. Play mainly outside, but he showed some inside uh, receiver ability as well. Uh, Obviously, due to the scheme, you know, he was kind of limited to where he was. But uh, I really like Tyler Wallace in this class. And I think, you know, I would take him in round three over Marshall round two. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. Not even sure if it's really all that hot of a take. That's what I said. The preface, I don't think it's a super hot take, but the, that's just where I'm at right now in, in terms of the evaluation. I think with with that kind of second slash third tier of wide receiver, they're all so tightly grouped that I, I, I don't have any issue with that. I don't know about you. Yeah, they're, they're all pretty kind of in that same boat. It really depends on what you want in a receiver. Uh, what traits you're specifically looking for to add to your team. You know, with, are you looking for an inside shifty slot guy, you know, around two and two and three? You can find plenty of guys like that. Are you looking for kind of a bigger bodied outside receiver that can go up and get the ball? Not, ne- not necessarily great separators. You can find that. So you, you can find all the different prototypes of receivers in really rounds two through four. I think you can pretty much find any type of receiver you need in this class. And obviously, there's going to be guys that go round one that are, are locks to go round one. But hell, I mean, a team might trade up or they might say, you know what, I want I want that guy, you know, and get someone that we thought was going to go round two or three. And he ends up going round one. All right, Fornis, you got one more? Yeah, I got one more. Uh, Ronnie Perkins will be the steal of the draft. I don't think he goes to late day the late day two, early day three, but he has all the tools and all the motor you want out of a developmental five technique. Everything. He's he's got power, he's got some speed, not a lot of bend. He does have a couple moves in his arsenal and he has room to develop more. The counters aren't there, but he has everything you would like to work with from a production and athletic standpoint, from a guy you're going to take in that late third, early fourth round range. And I think you could see him having it and carving himself out of career like an Everson Griffin, just solid consistently. I like it. This is a guy I have in uh, looking at the board now, 63rd. So I am, I am all in on Ronnie Perkins as well. That Oklahoma state game was nasty. He just brought all of the violence with him. Um, there was one other game, and I can't remember offhand where he just was absolutely dominant. I, oh, wasn't I, it Baylor twenty nineteen? Yeah, and I think this year again it was. Uh, Baylor he had a pretty again. good game against Florida too. In yeah, a bowl game. he made a couple uh, 
he made a couple of run run uh plays in the run game. I think that it's kind of an underrated part part of his game. We saw Yeah, him, it it was Baylor twenty nineteen was the was the game I was thinking of. I think both of the games against Baylor were were strong games for him in twenty nineteen. He had he might have missed this year's game. I know I know he was suspended for a bit. Yeah, I think he missed uh, this year's Baylor game because he missed yeah. probably I think the first six games or something. Yeah. Like um Yeah, I yeah. have no, I have no issue with that take. I have no issue with that take. Well, I think- Fornis knows I love Ronnie Perkins. I told him to go watch Ronnie Perkins when he gets the chance. Um, so I don't – I love the take. You know, he's – and me and him were talking about it. He's definitely going to be a five-tech. He doesn't have the bend, uh, really that explosive speed off the edge. But you need a guy to go and make a play on the third down and just absolutely dominate a guard. Uh, I would take him to do so. You know, mm-hmm. I know they're – are people that think maybe uh, someone like Marvin Wilson and, and players like that could could play that kind of five tech role? But he'd have to put on a lot of size to be a five tech. He's listed uh, not in a four three defense. I don't think you're so. Thinking, ah, okay. You're thinking a Pittsburgh Steelers Cam yeah. Hayward five tech. Yeah, yeah. A five tech defensive end in a true four three scheme is uh, is yeah. ever then he's, then he's fine. Then he's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I always assume five tech being three four D end instead of. Yeah. One of the weird things with Perkins that I noticed on tape is he has some get up and go in him, but it's ne- not going to come across unless he jumps the snap like almost perfectly, and then yeah. he can really motor around a tackle. But if he just gets a normal get off, it's just not there. Yeah, his, he played his six thing, games and had five and a half sacks, which almost he's set a new career high. Yes, yeah, he's and he insane. did play in the Baylor game this year. Yeah, the thing with him is he wants to go through you. He's not he's not that type of guy that's trying to get around you with, no. with speed or anything. He uses he converts speed to power, probably some of the best we've seen in terms of just tape just bowling dudes over. I mean, you can't really ask for anybody else. You can't really show me anybody else that really did some of those things as consistently as he did. All right. I got one that 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 I'm going to preface this by saying this hurts me to say this oh boy i think i know which one this is you should see the look on devin's face and and fortis is just waiting for me to say so that he can make fun of me chuba hubbard yep is not going to be one of the top 15 running backs taken and in terms of players born in canada he's going to be the third because josh uh, palmer from tennessee and Javon Holland are going to go ahead of him. He's not even the best Canadian in this draft anymore. I'm going to say this. Chuba Hubbard is indeed not it. Running backs, don't go back to school. When you have Never. a high draft stock, go Never. out. He it was prob- so bad this year. He probably would have been picked around where Jonathan Taylor was in that mid-40 range. He had that kind of stock, and he chose to go back to school. Did he was wide receiver? Sorry, wide receiver. Sorry, running back four. I mean, you might as well convert him to while you're at it. Running I back never four. liked Hubbard. <laughs> I thought he was Michael Bennett out of Wisconsin without the straight line speed. I don't even remember Michael. Is that the one that played for the Vikings? Yes. Okay. So Michael heard. Bennett was a track star. They made a running back, and of course, Wisconsin. They just turn out running backs. He had no lateral agility, but if he found a hole. He was going through it, and he was going through it faster than anyone. But he didn't have anything else. Not, I see Chuba Hubbard as that without that straight line speed. I've, I've never cared for him. I remember watching him this summer. I'm like, why do people like this guy? Like, I, I never saw it. I never understood it. So welcome aboard, Mike. I'm a little well, late to the party. Well, the funny thing the is... I've been telling Mike since the summer that Chuba Hubbard is not a top five running back, even though you had him at RB one. But hey, I, I don't want to. I don't want to just throw me right <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> he had him at RB one. I'm. You, you heard it here, folks. I remember in the summer that we talked about until the, October. We we talked about we talked about this in the summer. He's. I say he's not a top five running back. You were like, I'm gonna go back crazy. and take that article off of uh, Blue Chip Scouting. <laughs> nah, let me go ahead and screenshot that first. But now, nah, um, yeah, he he's he's not good, man. Uh, not good in the sense of taking him in the first three rounds, 
Hell, he might not even make it the fourth round. He might be fifth or sixth round territory at this point. It's not looking good. Now, I will say this. I think the obvious thing, when I mentioned with the other Canadians, I think obviously Javon Holland is the only ahead of them. I think the, the surprise is that Josh Palmer does as well. It'll be the, yeah, Josh, pa- I think Josh Palmer. ahead of Alaric Jackson. I will say that. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's, that's a, that may be a bit of a stretch. We'll see what happens. Josh Palmer could go anywhere from round four to undrafted because of what this receiver class is. Yeah. There's just so many unknowns. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was talking Courtney about Courtney Davis last year went undrafted. That's still, I, that's still I still can't believe that. That was crazy. That was nuts. Yeah, uh, yeah I expect Palmer. On it, guys, but you, you are right. Chuba Hubbard ain't it. Uh, should have. You know who that. is it though, Mike? You know who is it? I'm assuming you're, it's going to be that guy from that from that school that hates me, right? Yes, his name is Kylan Hill. He is in fact it. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I think I you've also been pounding that drum me. since since the summer too. So yes. Or yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because your whole thing was if he ever learned to catch and. Well, this year they decided to teach him how to catch, but never hand him hand off the ball. He'll be fine in the NFL. He, he, oh, yeah. he, he I can like do Kyle. a little bit of everything. I like Kylan Hill. He's that kind of he's, he's he bridges that gap between the second and third tier of running backs in my mind. He's gonna hit you, stand you over, and tell you to go fuck off. And I love it. <laughs> I love how the guy from the from the friendly Midwest has sworn more than either of us in this. <laughs> well, I mean, usually it you're usually just me. going usually. at it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't surprise me at all. Not even a little bit. Kindly go fuck yourself, eh? <laughs> all right, Devin, you got one more before we hop on out of here? Nah, man, I'm good. You're good? Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, I'm good, man. Tyler, thank you as always for coming on. If you want to follow Tyler for more of his hot takes, because he's not limited to just the ones he shared on air. Tyler, they can find you at the Real Forno, correct? That is correct. You can find me there. Um, I do Get stuff- him to 1,500 followers, by the way, people. Get there him you to go. 1,500. I do stuff for Blue Chip Scouting. I also do stuff uh, for Climbing the Pocket, which is a the site that Jordan Reed founded a few years back. Um, right. Yep, I am the, the lead draft analyst over there right now, and uh, just trying to release as many scouting reports as possible, and... Not re- doing big boards and rankings until I really feel comfortable with it, just because I want to make. I don't want to just keep updating it. I want to have it set and I want it to be done. So that will be coming. We every Monday night, eight eight p.m. on the Climbing the Pocket YouTube channel. Mock Draft Mondays. It's a good time. Always a good time. One of my favorite parts of, uh, about Monday. So I'm looking really forward to, to tune in. It's Monday when we're recording. So you know, gotta get Tyler out of here so we can go be the most important, the most interesting Minnesota Minnesotan for a few minutes. Um, Spoiler alert, it's a full round one mock draft. Hey. It's not a Vikings mock, so it's going to be even go. more fun. All right. Well, this is going to come out on Tuesday, so you all can follow that on the Climb in the Pocket YouTube channel. You can follow me on Twitter at MikeH underscore draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work on Blue Chip Scouting. Use the promo code BIGSHOTS for 10% off your next Built Bar purchase, and we'll see you guys later this week.